0: It's their opening ritual. Yeah, it's their thing. You know, that yeah, gets that them in, in the boat I guess. You know, totally.
1: Mm-hmm. Taryn and I like to do a little scatting.
0: <laughs> yeah, papa. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dare actually does that. a fair amount of scatting at the beginning of his <laughs> episodes of Otter World Party. Here we pretty go. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: so. real. I mean, you know, I think, I think that jazz is the. Like like all the things I'm going to talk about will trigger lots of different kinds of people, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's some things that are so deep in the human genetic code like polyrhythm and song and dance. Yeah. To remember that like we came from something that was both amazingly simple and complex already. And then we just built up a bunch of abstraction on top of it. And that's fu- that's like not, neither good nor bad, right? It's neither good nor bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to launch into anything. I'm, I'm super interested in sort of like how y'all want to start. Like I'm always fascinated by people who like dare to want to talk to me. Like to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. like Like I have a circle of friends who probably – you know, they don't think I'm special, which is great. And they don't think that I'm like, you know, like they're just like, oh yeah, that's dare. And they fit into this kind of um, web. Um, but then there's a lot of other people who I'm just like an alien psychopath or something. Mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of wonder when I'm talking to people for the first time that have sort of heard me through the grapevine or whatever. It's like it's just sort of like Yeah, I don't know. It's just a curiosity around like why do you want to talk to me?
2: Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's fair. That's so fair. I'm gonna answer that because I think Lucas is we're talking to you because I want to talk to you. Not because Lucas doesn't, but because like <laughs> yeah. I actually am the person who you who know, knows not you, but knows some of your work. Um And the first thing I think I encountered was there was a thread sometime. I don't remember if it was this past summer. It might have been last summer even in the Mm -hmm. ancestral movement Facebook group. And somebody (laughs) kind of went on a rage rant because they were really angry that the ancestral movement group wasn't about ancestry in the way that they thought it should be about ancestry, right? They they wanted, really, I think what they wanted is is probably more in alignment with some of the work that you are doing with ancestors or various other kinds of traditions are. And they made an assumption and then they went fucking ballistic. And <laughs> you, you were like, well, why don't you read this essay that I wrote? Oh, yeah. And so okay. I was like, well, I'll read this essay that, that this person wrote. <laughs> sure. And I don't remember which one it was, but it was something, you know, like an introduction to cultural somatics, more or less, right? Relatively short. Um, And I thought, I was like, wow, this is super beautiful. It's really well written. It's very resonant with me. Um, I think this is an interesting person. So I started, you know, when I saw your name in places, I would read things. Uh, I think I followed you on Facebook and then, you know, basically have had some exposure to your thought and a digitally mediated version of your practice, right? I mean, because what else, what have I got? And then I didn't even realize until I think after I asked if you wanted to talk to us that you had a podcast, somehow I missed that. And so then I was like, (laughs) oh shit, now now I can, (laughs) there's more. (laughs) So, you know, for me, I mean, I don't know how much, sometimes in the episodes of this podcast, lucas and i talk some about our history and background i don't know if you ever listened to any of the ones that where we do but um i have a pretty polyglot kind of mm. you know mutt cultural experience of different spiritual traditions and practices and mm. so yeah. you know there are ways in which not that i think our practice life probably looks the same mm. but i think the orientations right that we're coming from have a a lot of resonance and consonants and so that's always cool for me because you know it's not often that you meet folks that are like informed in you know various somatic modalities and trauma work and psychedelics and ritual and ceremony and taoism and yeah like i'm like no Rhetoric. i mean like i am
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i
2: know this language is right yeah, like right? so yeah, for me totally. that's it's super interesting to meet a fellow traveler you know yeah. and brant and i had a similar but different moment when we were yes. like right yeah. cool Yeah, you yeah know, we like, know i know like, this patois yeah, that you are totally. speaking or at least the dialect of
0: it yeah like we're, we're like there's a there you know like in the eastern traditions talk about view mm-hmm. method and fruition yep. right it's like I find it more and more as I mature, like as I take my life and go, how does this actually translate Mm -hmm. to sort of like what all humans have done, but also it's individualized too. It's like, there's a commonality here and you can just trace it if you're savvy enough detective, right? You're Mm -hmm. like, oh, that sounds a bit familiar. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And you're like, you know, you're healthy skeptic, but you're also like, you're really listening to the stories that other people are telling. You're really like, Oh yeah. You know? And it's not like some precious fucking thing, you know? But the more that I do this kind of thing, I'm going to be 42 um, in December. The more I think of it, like what we've lost, we've lost context, Mm -hmm. which is view. We've lost view. Mm -hmm. Like, like for a long time, there was just lots of view. It seems like if you look back, I'm like, oh, these people were just all about like context, 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 maps, maps, context, maps, oh, practice, yes, but maps, practice. You know, it's like yeah. constantly referring to a kind of cyclical nature of like reflection, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Of like the view to the method to the fruit, like it's, you know, this kind of thing. And they wrote myths about it and it's like a whole thing. Right. And then for the last few hundred so years, a lot of that's just been sort of rewritten, or mm-hmm. sort of like someone's done the cut-ups method on it. You know what I mean?
2: Totally. Like the mm-hmm. kind
0: of like, okay, we'll take this part and that part, and that part doesn't fit, so we'll burn it. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we have like a whole culture of decontextualized behaviors. And I think as an experiment, that's okay. Like it's not moral, right? Like we're not living in a moral universe actually, but it's up to us to bring ethics to our experiments. Mm -hmm. And if our experiment is decontextualization, we need to be very, very careful.
2: Yeah. And (laughs) you know, I think the thing Mm -hmm. that, how that is landing right now with me is it's like, well, it would have been one thing if there was a, a project right? If the experiment was an intentional, let's create a decontextualized, you know, culpa and see what fucking happens.
3: But as we
2: know, that's not what happened, right? It's been driven by all of these, you know, forces that, I mean, I think were at least on the, uh, the meta level have largely been unconscious in the individual humans that are participating in the perpetuation of that particular set of, interdependent systems totally that makes sense Um, yeah yeah.
0: totally um you know spirits are everywhere and some spirits we call gods and some spirits we call emotions and i think we need to get back to a kind of view that allows us to change those definitions very quickly like a poet Mm -hmm. a poet is like the moon is my mother and the moon is the moon right Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm like, oh, I can feel both of those. The moon is my mother, and the moon is a moon, like a giant rock in space that hovers around, right? It's yeah. and it pulls the tides. But with poetry, you find an English language that is not insecure. Mm-hmm. This is this is the big thing for me. So like I came the through line for me was not actually somatics. It kind of was, but it wasn't. The through line for me was poetry Mm -hmm. and finding a kind of a real spiritual healing reading poetry Mm -hmm. that was not given to me by another human who made me jump through hoops to get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it took me many, many years to figure out what was actually happening that I could say, oh, yeah, spiritual healing. Oh, it's a transmission, like whatever you want, all the ways in which we can go inspiration is somehow transferring transmedia through what somebody heard this, felt it, wrote it down, it got public. And then I read it and I feel healed.
2: Right.
0: So for me, it was a lot of like, really searching for like, well, what is that? What, what is that Mm. thing that happens? That is just kind of like, everyone knows it right that's why everyone does art like ever, why do you go to a fucking museum you know like why do you listen to music why do you do anything really um because there's the potential for this inspiratory distribution to occur which is which is what i consider to be healing is a kind of distribution mm-hmm. like the feeling of weightlessness when you bounce mm-hmm. or the feeling mm-hmm. of like when you're doing Tai tai Chi push hands Mm -hmm. and you find that moment between moments and both of you are like dancing in some bigger stream, Mm -hmm. that moment is the distribution, which is bigger than your body. Right. It's like an ancestral distribution. It's a natural distribution Mm -hmm. that kind of has like four directions and up, down and center, right Mm -hmm. above, below and center. And you feel this really like you feel the Tai Chi pull and it's actually not a concept. It's like, Oh, right heaven and earth, right? You feel it. And you have this kind of space. Um, like when you do cupping, it's what negative decompression, right? It's like, it's not compression, right? It's like negative. You expand. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, there's yeah. more space here yeah. mm-hmm. for more relationships to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not crowded. I'm not like, oh, get out of my, you're too close. It's like, no, my anger is here and my sadness is here and my love is here and blah, blah. You actually find that you have more, not just more, I would say infinite space inside. Right. Like your interiority actually expands and you could somatically feel that. You're like, oh my goodness. Right. Right. And so poetry was this way that I could when I was stumbling and not so coherently wired, learn to describe what was happening inside the experiences that were both tragic and shocking and traumatic, you know, like Mm -hmm. all the things that we do when we are trying to heal and we kind of go over the edge and we kind of, you know, bounce, we snap and bounce back, but poetry and somatics but poetry and somatics, so language and linking, mm-hmm. language and somatics through humor, comedy, right? like clown, theater, like all the ways that humans use the body and voice, which is language and expression, to sort of anchor these ridiculously unknowable processes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Unknowable, like not just unknown. Mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a mystery, but it's like no. The mis- literally the mystery that cannot be solved right? Mm-hmm. and to be in love with that and not think oh well they just that mystery just hasn't met me <laughs> you know what i mean like like, like i'm gonna solve uh, that mystery exactly. <laughs> right. right but i think that that i think that bouncing up against the wall of the universe which is not a wall but feels like it Mm -hmm. it's just the limit to which your rationality cannot travel yeah Mm -hmm. you actually have to let go of something to have relation at a certain point you have to let go of something to actually receive something
2: right you have to Mm. make space again right because that rationality like it just you know we can talk about it as a (laughs) contraction but either way right it's filling up the possibility space with it's like this and it's like that. And I'm going to del- delimit this and delineate that. And this thing has to be called something and named. And if it's named, then I know how it's bound and, you know, just mm-hmm. like, calm the fuck on. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it. It's tempting.
0: <laughs> it's it, it's not only tempting. I think it's natural, but we bias it too much. Mm,
3: mm, mm. Totally. We
0: bias it too much. Cause if we are, if we're talking about a universe that is completely and totally alive, therefore creates all things, because it does. Like, why not? Like, let's create this thing that some people are going to call evil because it's an extreme expression of possibility. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I At once upon a time, someone thought a volcano was evil and a bee was evil because it stung you. You know, like, whatever. Just things that you don't like. Mm-hmm. So we make these things. And then there's this reflective loop of, like, I'm not that thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You have to do that as a baby. You have to go, I'm not my mother. Because nope. for a long time, you don't know that.
1: Right. Right. Exactly.
0: So this sort of detensioning, <laughs> this kind of pulling apart of the tensional matrix, which binds the identities into one unified thing, starts to differentiate. And then in that differentiation, we actually get dissociation and projection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So dissociation and projection and narcissism are natural parts of this fucking process if we can do this again right so the tide goes out but it comes back
3: yeah Mm -hmm. and if it
0: only went out we would just not even be having this conversation right
3: right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. fair
0: so the psyche mirrors this process of like the seasons keep coming Mm -hmm. and they rotate in a cyclical way and it's continuous and yes there's variations in that continuity like any good music it's variations. Oh yes, it was 95 and then it was 102. And and that's different. Next year is different, right? We have variation, but it's like, it's based on something. Mm -hmm. It's not just complete random variation. Mm -hmm. It's based Mm -hmm. on something. So the tide comes in, the tide goes out. We inhale and we exhale. We eat and we defecate, hopefully, right? And when those processes get whacked out That's when we say we're sick. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if you trace it back all the way, like all our ancestors, human, Mm -hmm. -human, Mm -hmm. non-human, mudskippers, you know, like mudskippers, sponges, tubular sea creatures, you know, like (laughs) you actually see this kind of respirational oscillation, right?
2: I mean, and I would say we can keep... Going back further to things that folks don't think of as being life at all, right? And we're still going to see that kind of pulsatory oscillation.
0: Right. So the reflective quality that occurs when this pulsatile going away, like separating and coming Mm -hmm. together, which is like DNA, right? Like what does DNA look the way it does? It's like, I'm going to be Kundalini over here and separate. The snakes are... The snakes are moving away and the snakes come back, the
3: snakes mm-hmm. move away.
0: Mm-hmm. which is dancing, right? It's yeah, dancing. That's totally. what dancing is. Well, I'm closer. I'm farther. I'm closer. I'm farther. So the universe is sort of doing this and we're just mirroring it. But we also mirror it completely with our um, our context of like how to behave.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I think we're at a place where we need to get really good with descending or collapsing, mm-hmm. returning to Earth. But that doesn't necessarily mean crashing and falling apart. It doesn't have to be like that. Right. Mm-hmm. If we understand that like you train jumping, right? Like anybody who trains anything is like, you have to train the system to absorb the shock of whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to jump, but you can't land, well then you're not going to jump very much because right. it's going to hurt.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You got one. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, so sort of psycho psychologically or psychically, I think our, human culture is trying to get those shock absorbers back a little bit. Uh, and, yeah. and then there's a D, de- but the decontext is the, you know, the decontext context of that we're living in is not really preparing people to do that. Right. Not being yeah. like, no, no, no d- kid. Like when I used to teach kids a lot, like basic gymnastics, like I'm not a great, any, you know, like I have a lot of uh, physical issues, but you know, you teach kids, you know how to climb, you know, they're like four years old and they don't know how to like, they, they're they're all homo, you know, they're all like, you know, they don't mm-hmm. know how to like do this cross lateral thing. Right. Right. In a different. So you're teaching them all oh, one and two and three and four. And it's this pattern. Right. And they go up two rungs on the ladder and they start to shake. Mm. And you're there and, you know, if they fall, you got them. And mm-hmm. so you're holding them, but they're shaking. Because they actually know something about. The fragility of the situation they're actually in, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is that, oh, if I fall down now, it's kind of game over a bit it's Game <laughs> over because I haven't trained falling down from this height. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've trained falling down from like standing because I'm on my butt all the time. Oh, oh, close to the ground. I get farther away from the ground and suddenly the training is like exponentially more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right. So children's bodies know this. They couldn't tell you it, though but they know it they're like shaking and they're and you have to be like and take you know just you know here's the foot and you just take their foot and you put it back down and they go they went up two rungs and you help them down another rung and then within like 30 seconds they're actually integrated Mm -hmm. they're happy again because they're like they went up and they came down and it was a complete circuit and they're safe again and they run away and discharge they run around, discharge, have a weird like expulsion of expression, and then they maybe come back and again, 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 I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's three rungs now, or maybe it's still just two. The point is, is that like this process is happening, whether you're a kid or an adult, it's just happening all the time. We're always reaching these thresholds in which we actually kind of grok that we've gone a bit far away from the ground,
3: mm
0: and we have to be like oh right i'm up here now i'm in the airplane now
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know and if we train coming back down more than we train going up we we'd be totally fine because we'd just be like i like going up because when i come down it doesn't hurt mhm so i'm talking about everything here i'm talking totally. about like supremacy. i'm talking about capitalism right like it's that's everything. what i'm hearing <laughs> <laughs> right it's it's not, not a metaphor you know
1: yeah i feel like um like we don't we're not old enough or we don't live long enough or we're like you were saying we're not we're decontextualized so much that we don't trust the we don't have any somatic relation or lived uh sort of yeah one of hepatic memory for yeah. the lessons that we've learned through history so we don't even trust that you're there holding us spotting us on that second rung we're like yeah, but are you real? Do you know right. what I mean? Everything's just decontextualized, so we have no idea. Like, even though there are hundreds and hundreds of books saying, like, well, you know, society's <laughs> fall, that experiment didn't work. It's very similar to ours, and it doesn't seem to work. So, you know, we're getting ready for something. But, you know. Not
2: this time, I... <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Yeah. The universe, has, gravity hasn't met us yet. That's right, right, <laughs> exactly.
2: Death <has laughs> never met me. I'm going to kick death's ass. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and I yeah. think that, to be completely honest, I really feel that like all all humans go through this kind of process when they're becoming like a young adult or a teenager, in which like you really do think you can beat death. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's unnatural to go through that process. But I think a sane, ecologically sane culture, which in this case is probably we could say animist indigenous. But but let's just say ecologically sane, like they actually understand something about cycles of nature and time. And they're just like, okay, is that they would take those kids who were like starting to feel like invincible and they would give them a very um, curated shock.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Initiation Mm -hmm. one
3: yeah
0: initiation one is like a curated shock
2: yeah yeah
0: which is like maybe i tie you up and throw you in a pit for seven for five days without food or water Mm -hmm. and i and people are watching you you're not gonna die but you have to go through that process of like oh crap like literally like day after day i'm in this pit i'm freaking out i'm freaking out (sighs) I have to learn how to regulate. Maybe I will die. Maybe they won't come back That's for me. Right. But mm-hmm. The curated shock is to go stretch that capacity for struggle and find relaxation inside of it and actually accept something about your frailty.
2: And I th- I think one of the, the features that I don't, I don't feel like I've heard a lot of people frame it quite like this, but this, at least in my experience is, you know, the understanding that I, I have thus far is that what makes something truly an initiation is that there's basically three options at the fork, you die, you go crazy, or you make it through transformed. And you don't know which one it's going to be. That's actually key. Like, you can't know if any of you know, which which of the trifecta is going to be the road that you follow out of there,
0: right? Right. Uncertainty and terror are part of the equation. You actually have to be like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Like I can't know. That's the unknowable part that like this culture in particular is really like, no, no bueno. They're like, no, I must be certain of the outcome before I do anything. And it's like, well, that's going to get you a certain consequence. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Like psychologically, like, like, like it's not even personal. It's not like, It's not really like your ancestors abandoned you. Mm -hmm. There isn't really a great betrayal, but the, the, the accumulation of certain kinds of behaviors on both individual and larger group scales, the accumulation of behaviors so that they become habits and norms creates this kind of charge in the system, which is like, A kind of addiction to certainty, familiarity, comfort of of an addiction to knowing, which is actually not living. It's not the same thing, it's a fantasy. Fantasy. Mm -hmm. And most people today are in a state of constant oscillation between like feeling betrayed that their fantasy isn't actuality.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And that is a hell realm. That's exactly what the Buddhists, the Dzogchen, that's a fucking hell realm. Because if you die. If you like naturally die from whatever, covid or cancer or getting hit by a bus or just because your time was up. When I mean, we all die cuz we're born, really. It's not like a like, what, you why am I dying cuz you were born?
2: Nobody gets out of here alive, right?
0: Nobody gets out alive. <laughs> but if you enter that deep final initiation without any shock absorption or oh, I know what this game is. I know this freaking game. Like a, a kind of like, ah, yes, I'm going to go through these weird ass patterns because I'm going to free, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we all do when we hit any kind of little initiation in our life where we're like, oh, my system shaking, right? We're like, oh, this is part of the transformation process. But it is also part of the like, if you take a wrong turn at Albuquerque, yeah, you could you could depersonalize. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I've been in ayahuasca ceremonies where the person can't take it and they they they're just literally screaming yeah. mm. and they can't stop. And they they they're just like in the there's the hell. There's the hell realm. Right. Mm. The hell realm showed you and was like, you want to integrate me? And they were like, no. Mm. <laughs> and it's like.
2: Right. And then, and if, it's
0: like, yeah,
2: you know, if we do die without any of those resources being cultivated. I mean, the way it seems to me is then all of a sudden, whatever the state of one's in, inner landscape was becomes everything, right? There is no longer the pretense of separation, right? And so the quality of consciousness becomes the the universe in quotes, That's right? Like, Which is, yeah. I think, where the myth of hell comes from. It's like, well, totally. for some people, yes, you die and you go to hell, not because you're a, a sinner but because you're fucking on fire inside of yourself. And then all of a sudden (laughs) there's no more inside outside. It's just everywhere.
0: Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's like if the, if the raindrop resisted, Mm. do you see like the raindrop is falling down, it's going to fall into a puddle or the ocean, right? It's going to, but the raindrop decides for whatever reason that it's not going to do that. It's going to resist. Yeah okay, well, obviously (laughs) we're like, well, that doesn't work. But we have something inside of us that gives us the permission to experience that resistance, Mm. which is the greatest gift we could ever be given, is the gift of our own ability to be stupid, essentially. Mm. Like it's such a great gift to be like, I don't want to go home. I want to believe in another, I want to believe something else is true. I want to believe that I've been abandoned and betrayed. And now you're like, oh, is hell really a hell or is it another gift? Mm -hmm. Like consciousness itself being like, hey, look how powerful you are, buddy. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is the things that I've experienced sort of going through this whole gamut. right? Like I've experienced this firsthand and then read the books and go, oh, okay. Other people have experienced that too. Mm -hmm. so i think it's different to sort of read the books and then still resist experiencing it Mm -hmm. and say oh but the book said it's like no 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 you still have to directly experience what what we're talking about here and each of us still has to go into that with a kind of uncertainty and a kind of terror right Mm -hmm. because it's like oh man if someone showed up and was like Come on to this death journey. I would still be like, I don't know if that was on the schedule today. Right.
2: It's Tuesday, though. <laughs> right. I don't do death journey on Tuesday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But having gone through a number of them and using them as the basis for an actual practice of daily ordinary living, mm-hmm. I can sort of sit here temporarily and be like, hey, let's talk about this real thing that's actually real, like for real, for real, and not like dissociate into these kinds of like side quests of like entertainment and comfort and like pleasure. Cause, cause you know, pleasure is not the goal. It's like a kind of side effect of just like being responsible and graceful and generous. Right, (laughs) right. But our culture has taught us that it's actually the goal. Mm And we, end, mm-hmm. we usually end up having to hit the wall or hit rock bottom before we realize, like, oh, that's not going to get me where I want to go when I die, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, self-absorbedness is not the way home. Right. Mm-hmm. But to actually integrate that in a way where you're not just crying when you see trees all the time because it's so amazing, is another thing too it's like oh i'm broken open and now i have to actually put myself back together and become really stable almost boring right Mm -hmm. and that's been my process for the last few years is like going all the way to the end fucking you know multiple times for many years and then finally being like okay spirits you're real i'm not hallucinating is there an easier way
3: Mm -hmm. Yes, there
0: is. Okay, practice this for three months. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Right? So actually having that experience of, Mm -hmm. yes, the spirits are real. Not all of them are trustworthy. Find the right ones and actually ask them their advice. Get the advice and actually put it to you. See what happens. Oh, it's useful. Like, oh, this is meditation. Oh, this is great. Thanks. Thanks, weird ancestor spirit that I hallucinated in the middle of the night. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But the process is so alive that it can only happen in a hyper-context. The specifics, right? That's what I'm talking about. The decontextualization is kind of like being like so general, like whatever. But the, but the reality is, is that those moments are hyper-specific. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. hyper-contextual.
2: I feel like for me, one of the, the real pivotal moments, um, though I certainly didn't know it at the time was after many, many years of, of working in the Santo Dami tradition and, you know, like in the beginning it was very. All over the place my mediumship opened really hard and really fast and i had no context for what was going on and like you know it was it was
3: yeah
2: tenuous at best for a long time um and then you know like practice and work and assistance from elders and all these things but there was a point when i had started um studying internal martial arts and i really was leaning into my standing meditation practice and it dawned on me after about it might have been about three months in uh and i was in a ceremony i was leading a ceremony and i was like oh this is actually the thing that if i had maybe like not been so all over the place i would have understood was the thing that I needed back then because really what I needed was, I just needed to like get really simple and be a tree. Right. Yeah. And root my ass in the earth and just stand there. Yeah. For a long ass time. Yeah, for a day. long day. ass time. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's sure. like right. Okay.
3: Right, right, right. Right. Sure. Totally ordinary.
2: Right. Right. And still, you know, standing meditation is one of the most powerful practices that I know.
3: Right. Totally. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I think the thing is that, so every, oh, we all have different fates. We've all been given a kind of different piece of the ancestral karma to sort of remediate. If you want to talk about like permaculture, right? It's like we all got some toxins that we inherited that we don't know. We don't know why our ancestors did what they did. We don't really know, but. I have these patterns and tendencies and predispositions. And so does the culture, and you know, right. blah, blah, blah. And then everyone has this like pull star, which is like, and you, this time around, you're going to be a musician, or you're going to be a baker, and you're going to be a tree arborist, or whatever. And um, that's the sort of vehicle for our remediation. Mm-hmm. But in a culture that says you can be whatever you want to be. It's actually really problematic because Mm. a lot of these fate jobs are really like jobs. It's not like you're going to be like, oh, I really wanted that job. Because fate's like, I don't really care what you want. Are you going to do the job or not? This is real love. Real love is like, you're going to do it. You're going to hold up, you know, like the moon doesn't quit. The sun doesn't quit, the, right? Like the forests don't quit. The oceans don't quit their job. But you know,
2: do. I'm, I'm minded of this thing. I don't remember which of I, since I listened to a ton of underworld party kind of like back to back to back. I don't know which <laughs> conversation this was in. Um, <laughs> but at one point you go on this riff about how, like, and maybe it's the one that has fate in the title, but, um, you know, we're like, your fate is, is what you do are, who you are, what you do, it is your becoming, right? It's not other than like, you know, and I'm minded of that when you're like the sun and the moon and the ocean, they don't quit. And I'm like, that's because they are the sun and the moon and the ocean, right? And if I can, or you can, or anybody else can get clear enough on like, well, what am I? Oh, Mm. okay, I'm that. Well, then, I mean, that's just what I am. I just have to do that thing, be that becoming, right? right? Like, that's just how it is. It doesn't need to be, I mean, I can resist, I can be the raindrop. Sure, <clears throat> resisting, but it, I can also decide well, that's a waste of fucking time. Like, let's right. work on how to not resist being what I am in this life.
0: That, mm-hmm. right? That's the and that's the part where you have to like. This is where I think Asian martial arts and medicine is really good because mm-hmm. you could actually track where you're leaking energy. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, yeah. Like you could actually track like when I hit that situation. If I just tune in somatically. Without analyzing, I can notice shit like my pelvis feels like it's thirty feet away, or like Mm -hmm. it feels Mm -hmm. just like I don't have any legs anymore. You know, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: you actually can notice where like there's giant holes in your sort of container Mm
3: -hmm. of
0: where the tea is not in the channels or just doesn't feels vacuous or suddenly like boop, all the animals ran away. You know, like boop. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I just I just feel like the So much of this stuff is steeped in a kind of religious esotericism Mm -hmm. that we as a modern culture have kind of lost a basic toolkit. Like real basic, like as in like sensation, basically. Mm -hmm. Like sensational phenomenology, like how you feel things in your body is a kind of oracular instinctual process. By which you could then decipher it the same way you do like dream analysis. You know, people go, I had this dream, and you're like, great, now feel into that. What else? you know, you do this whole thing. But even less esoteric than like I'm analyzing my dreams is like to just feel things. What are you what are you actually feeling
3: mm-hmm.
0: when you're resisting that? Because I don't actually know in like when I do client sessions or help people or whatever. I'm not coming in with a kind of like know-it-all of like, maybe you should be resisting that. Mm.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't actually know. But there's a sense that starts to develop where like the just right, everything start to fall in place when you stop fighting certain baselines of your nature that are actually underneath what you've been taught about yourself, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. underneath your culture, underneath your socialization Underneath your racialization, underneath all the indoctrination you've been given, there's a kind of like, I guess, pure land or something, you know, there's a kind of pure land that isn't like empty. It's like a fucking rainforest. And that's the part I think that medicine and practice actually get you to. Mm -hmm. It's like burning through these like false layers of like conceptual projection that you've either ingested or been told to put on. Like, if you don't act this way, I'm going to beat you. Okay. So the kid is like, fuck, okay, I'll just do this. And you know, you have all that trauma, but at the core of our life is a, is like a rainforest, or like, it's a deeply eco sensual, holy crapness of like microbes and bugs and fungi and memories and spirits. And like, so when you when you get to that layer, it's like, oh, now you get to start. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you actually get to talk to who's actually there. Mm. Oh, I just suddenly I'm standing and now there's just like red lights and a mountain and like, what is happening? A lighthouse. And you have this kind of hallucination while you're awake. But if you bored down towards a kind of dedication to who you actually are, like to just be like, fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to find out the truth of mm-hmm. myself honestly and you bore down enough then these images and these feelings and these sensations start to emerge like kind of entwined but then you actually have the opportunity to actually have a relationship you could actually say who are you why are you here right mm-hmm
1: because you are the raindrop and you understand your connection with the cloud and the ocean and the sun and the wind makes sense
2: right well and for where you don't understand you can
0: ask that's right
2: right Mm -hmm. because you're in relationship and you recognize that you are you know part of this incredible kinship web of relationality both inside in quotes and outside right and so that that same kind of orientation where you would maybe like offer thanks or ask permission of the land (laughs) like you know i'm land inside me too that's right right
0: that's right 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 so the the fundamental thing about like these animist traditions that have become extremely dense and beautiful and aesthetically kind of shaped is that at the core they were not like that They were actually quite sort of simple, but that simplicity is actually the directness of like, you know, I often do these like meditations where it's like, I'm naked in the jungle. What do you do? You don't have no shoes. No, nothing. You're literally like, oh, the first thing I have to do is keep sensing very, very close to my system. I can't abstract What's 30 feet over there? Too late. It's too far, actually. Mm. It's like, oh, I'm naked in the jungle just like my ancestors. Okay, let's start listening. Okay, close, far. Okay, there's what's under my feet. Okay, take one step. What's that feel like? Like the excruciating detail of like closeness because you're not separate from the environment, but you are like, oh, my God, like I can feel all these things. That gives you the potential to actually drop your fear in a certain way and just be very direct, like, I need help. You could just be like, you could open up and be like, please bless me. I mean, you wouldn't, you might not even say, please bless me, but the opening is like, mm-hmm. and that's what's happening when we're doing like Qigong. It's like mm-hmm. a certain point, words fall away and it's just like, That's the prayer happened right Mm -hmm. then. it's like, I was like, I'm going to fucking take all this oxygen in and I'm just going to say thank you every tiny micro step of the way.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And it's both so simple and so profound. Mm -hmm. And in doing that thousands of years, now we have really elaborate cultural mythologies to go along with that. That's really nice, but we've also lost the thread of something I think is like, you know, like I, I often have conversations with my ancestors who are like midwives. Like the realest thing you can get is like, you no, know, something's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like like as in like, oh, what do you do when you're some of the first people and you start having the dawning awakening that new beings are just coming out of this. Another being is coming out of this other being's body. And you have to actually all together kind of telepathically and gesturally figure this shit out together. And, and then, on the other hand, sometimes that baby Shh. comes out and it doesn't breathe. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Whoa. Like, whoa, right? Like, holy, the, like, the kundalini, right? Ah, The wailing, the keening, the emergent song craft, the burying, the, like, how did we figure out that we needed to put it in the ground and sing around it? Nobody was like, it's in this book. (laughs) We told you, you know, this is the right. No. So we all came from that ability to sense so deeply into the present moment that suddenly now there's a ritual and it's just happening. And we're creating language and song structure and rhythm and touch to be with what is. In a way that's both super simple, right to the point, boom. And also, whoa, the ramifications, so complex, so complex the person in that mountain range came up with a different one than the person in that desert sort of what? Because the land is Mm -hmm. different. The land is talking to those beings in different ways. So we have a kind of like hyper-local inspirational kind of Mm co-arising to something that is extremely common, which is birth, death, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. this is it. Say it, boom, right there. And... You know, I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about it in the way that I've sort of learned to talk about it, because I still think that when people talk about things like death and medicine and healing, it's still abstract Mm -hmm. because we're not really getting to the point of like, why do you want to heal? Like, really? No, no, no. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. I know you don't want to feel pain anymore, but that's not really the way. That's not really the reason, right? We're not really getting to that like, oh... There's something deeply ancestral about like being with things and having the capacity to be with and having the capacity to respond in a way that's inspirational and and just like fucking there, like really freaking alive. You know, like, whoa, oh, I'm really here um, and to not need a shock to do that, which is goes back to the initiation mm-hmm. question. To actually get to the point where you're mature enough that you don't require shocks to wake mm. up like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You just go, you just wake up in the morning and you're like, Hallelujah. Come <laughs> on <out> in. <laughs> right, you know? right. You're just like, I'm gonna go do what I do, and it's like, boom, I'm talking to the plants, and I'm just like, and that person has those spirits, and I'm gonna say, Bless you. And I'm like, you're you're and you're not calling yourself a medicine person, you're not. Right. Like you're actually just like right there. And you're like, I'm part of this crew. I'm part of this crew and I want to do my part in harmony with the crew. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that to me is like. Before we specialized and there were priests you mm-hmm. know, and like, oh, now there's a priest class and now there's a blah, blah, blah. And right. now there's special people that can talk to God. Right before our human species sort of diverged in those various ways, there was just a kind of like this is possible, like this is what's happening.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right?
1: It's like common human experience,
0: common human experience. Like everyone goes to sleep and they dream. Holy shit. Like if we just sat, if we just stopped, we could stop talking about everything else and just be like, right? Is yeah. it weird how when you close your eyes at night, weird shit happens? And every single person has that, even if they don't remember it. That sh- that's enough. That's enough mm-hmm. to be like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, we have a lot. The fact to- that we all sleep. <laughs> even the take, like, even a step
2: back. Like, yeah.
0: Fuck. Yeah, totally. The fact that we sleep. The fact that the fact that after I inhale and I didn't have to think about inhaling. You exhale. I exhale.
3: hmm mm-hmm.
2: I mean. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> people want to look mm-hmm. for miracles, right? Yeah. And okay. I'm always like, okay, you, you need the Red Sea to be parted. The Grant. fact that you can actually ask the question of okay. like, where are the miracles? Like yes. it's, it right. answers itself. Like you have the capacity yes. to ask this question. You are here yes. asking mm-hmm. it, thinking it, yep. feeling it, breathing it. Like, whoa, that's yeah. wild and yeah. beautiful.
0: And you have the capacity to resist being given the answer even if you right. ask for it exactly you could ask for it and then run away and it's like whoa that was interesting like you just shot out of your body when the answer came and god came down from the mountain and was like i love you and you're like gone you're like i don't want to hear that <laughs> shit you know and i think that that's i think that's part of how we sort of help remediate the cultural collapse that we're in is yeah. like also also seeing the benefits of All the things that have terrible consequences, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: the benefit of denial, the benefit of aggression, the benefit of resistance, the benefit of hell realms, Mm -hmm. right? The benefit of, oh, yeah, that's not you are choosing that right right now in a way that is not just you choosing, but like a cultural web of choice is happening. And also, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be straight with you. I'm going to be super straight with you. I'm not going to be like, yeah, new age, na 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 new age, blah, blah. You can choose your own fate and destiny. But to actually be like, yes, yeah, okay, that's what you're doing, you know. But to be very, very clear with people and to root it in our own practices that, like, I'm not an expert. I'm a practitioner. I practice mm-hmm. this kind of awareness and relationality. That's all I'm doing. I have no... I don't think I don't even know if I'm correct, but I know that by practicing these things, my own personal life has gotten way better, more stable, more like none, of, like a lot of problems. go just go away. I don't chase too much anymore. I still am a human being. I still have my fetishes and my like weird things, but it's like, oh, yes, I'm actually part of the world. The world did not betray me. My ancestors did not betray me on purpose. They just did what they thought they were needed to do. Mm -hmm. It has some weird ass consequences. I probably need to deal with that. You know, like it's a very sober contemplation that isn't about achieving enlightenment, really. But it's more about like, I just want to have a good relationship with you and you and you and you. Like, you know, like the, the actual people around me. Like I just... Can we just, you know, can it be nice and not super nasty, you know what I mean? Mhm. You know. Um, but I think we we are still at the beginning of having conversations like this that that aren't psychedelically intoxicating.
3: Mhm. <laughs>
2: One of the things that um I've been thinking about lately like in the f- in the face of the, you know, this next wave of the psychedelic renaissance, renaissance, renaissance. Yes. (laughs) Is that one of the things that I feel like, and, you know, I'm I'm not super plugged into all the different areas of discourse. Like, it's a lot. It would be a lot if that was all that I wanted to track, and there's lots of things (laughs) I'm interested in. So, you know, I could totally just not be there for this part of that meta conversation. But... I feel like, for me, what has always been um, central to my engagement with plant medicine is that we're engaging with beings. Yes, we have these experiences, (laughs) and they are instructive and useful, fun or terrifying, or often fun, terrifying, and you know, like (laughs) this kind of dynamic interplay. But like, but the important part, from my vantage point, is that this is a teaching being who is so generous with their wisdom and understanding and capacity for inner initiation that all I have to do is take this medicine into my body and that this being is going to show up and teach me in exactly the way that I need to be taught that I could never even know to ask for precisely. Mm. And so this for me, I feel like is really lacking. It's all about the experience and what it does to consciousness. and And I'm like, no, what's rad about this is this is truly a more than human entity that I can access in my body in a way that is incontrovertible, which some other kinds of spiritual experiences can get slipperier in terms of like, am I imagining it? Is it real? Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like a true encounter with medicine, you may decide later that you imagined it, but when it's going on, it's real clear it ain't imaginary, right? And certainly some kinds of other mediumistic phenomenon can be like that, but it's easier often to psych oneself out, right? Sure. Of some of those totally. things, excluding near death. You know, I mean, like to right. be clear. Um, and right. so I, I don't know. Maybe y'all have heard some of this in the conversation around psychedelics, but I feel like it's such a central it's feature like very... of like, why would you even bother? Because because right. you know, I get to come into relationship with the other in this incredibly yes. profound way.
1: I feel like it's, it goes back to the same uh
2: conversation about context mm.
1: do you know while you're in it there's the context of the of your internal situation and then that changes when you know the plant's not interacting with you anymore and so now it, all of a sudden that becomes imaginary
3: yeah.
1: well but uh, why <laughs> what i mean the only thing that yeah. changes that you know your interaction with the chemical compound that's now it's currently in your body now it's not currently in your body right do you know right. like that experience it happened
0: yeah
2: I mean, I definitely think that's that totally. And I think that's a big part of it. But I also think the other part of the context that it, it is like, well, how are we holding the space within yeah. which this experience right. is going to happen? So a little set and setting, but also yeah. like, you know, somehow even more primary to that, which is like the why and the what. Like, why am I going to do this and what am I going to do it? Or rather, who? am I going to do this with? Because, you know, again, I think the thing is that these are persons, right? They are non-human, more than human, other than human persons that have been teaching. I mean, certainly anything that's alive that can eat, right? Right. Has had the opportunity to
0: to eat. Because eating is primary.
2: Exactly. Eat psychedelic teachers, you know, whether you believe in the Stone Day hypothesis or not, like animals have been doing this for a long ass time, you know, right. insects too. Right. right. And so, right. I, yeah, I, th- I, I would, you know, if, if I had a prayer, which I guess I do, cause here we are my prayer yeah. right, at this moment for, a, you know, the psychedelic Renaissance is like, if this isn't part of the conversation, my prayer right. would be for it to be a bigger part of the conversation of like, let's, mm. let's talk about this in terms of the personhood of the yes. medicine as totally. central. Yes.
0: Yeah. For me, it actually becomes like the who and the how. Mm-hmm. Because what you have to learn, like a decolonial frame is getting away from why's and what's,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which are super abstract. Right. A why is like I can make up any reason why. And a what is like a D like subject, like an objectification of the subject. Right. It's like a, a who's become what's and mm-hmm. my why's are the most important thing is like intention over impact and all that garbage but when you get down to like who and how you have to be embodied to answer those questions
2: Mm, i like it
0: you have to you have to use your actual senses right you cannot you can you want you can always find a loophole like humans are really great at loopholeing and weaponizing every damn thing they find right but to even just get back to like who is here Mm -hmm. Like, it's a kind of Zen question. Like, I don't know what tradition does this, but like you sit across from another practitioner in, you know, meditation and their job is just to ask you one question over and over for like 12 hours, mm-hmm. which is like, who are you?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And your job is to answer that question. Right. Mm. Now, that's a po. To me, that's a poetry question. It's also a theater question. Yeah, totally. because you get to answer it, like. First, you're like, am I going to answer it right? And who who really am I? Oh, I'm a white person. I'm a black person. I'm a mixed race person. Blah, I'm a queer person. Okay, great. And they keep asking it to you, right? Mm. Because at a certain point, they're they're not negating what you said. They're just saying more. Come right. on, more. Like, you're mm. more than that, right? Get more creative with deeper. who you are. Deeper, yeah. deeper, deeper. Until at a certain point, you get to like, I am my ancestor's. I am the moon. I am the stars. And that is not just a kind of like selfish, self-absorbed version of identity. Now you've started to distribute your chi Mm -hmm. to what it actually is, which is like, right, this energy that comes into my body that I don't control, holy shit, and it goes into your body. Right. Oh, this shit is
2: continuous.
0: This shit Mm. is everywhere. You start to be able to play with identity and language Mm -hmm. in a way that is securely attached this is a you know for people who don't know right it's like secure attachment insecure attachment insecure attachment is like codependency Mm -hmm. you know but like secure attachment is like i can handle the shock Mm -hmm. of being Mm -hmm. wrong i can handle the shock of being defamiliarized and Mm decontextualized because i can actually play with it until it becomes context again or familiar right and this, this like dance of like, I'm stable, I'm unstable. I'm stable, mm-hmm. I'm unstable is literally everything. Yeah. Martial arts is all about like, let's train your stability for whatever, how many years, right? Why? So you could be really unstable. <laughs> <laughs> because when you throw that punch and they throw that kick, that is the most, unst- you're very unstable right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and whoever has trained the most stability and the most fluidity, which is unstableness, is going to come out of that with less headache. Right.
2: Right. Less dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, less dead. You know, like less of like, oh, I didn't want to learn that way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that like most people still have an ableist, kind of super heroic idea of wisdom, of all the things we're talking about, of psychedelics. It's like a kind of cathartic, hyper intense. Mm-hmm. This, this thing you said about, I need, need the Red Sea to be parted for the miracle to occur. Right. So we're, we have a context of like, it's not a miracle unless it's hit 12 on the Richter scale or whatever. It has to go up to 12, 12 out of 10. Otherwise, right. I don't. It has to I don't... break
2: the laws of reality. Like the laws of reality aren't a convincing enough miracle if there are, are you <laughs> you want to call laws. Right. But I mean, like right. the, the basic right. guidelines of, of the right. a game aren't amazing.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think to get there, we have to start taking our language back closer and say, oh, right, you're a who. Right. And together we are howling. Yeah. Right? We are howling. I'm Mm -hmm. like, how am I talking to you? How am I sitting Mm -hmm. here? Oh, I have, there's a temperature. How does that feel? Yeah. Like I'm howling all the time. I'm like, how do I feel? I have a headache. I just hurt. You know, how, Mm -hmm. how, 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 how do you feel? Arm? Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Liver? How, 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 how? How do you feel? Taryn? How do you feel? Lucas? How, 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 how? But in order to have a how, there has to be who's.
2: Right. It's got to be all subjects. There can't be objects.
0: Because if my liver is not a who, Mm -hmm. I'm good. Who fucking. uh, Right. whatever. I just, I'm, de- you know, it's like the question cannot occur because Oh, liver. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I understand you. You know, like it becomes a kind of fight. That's a not again, decontextualization, but also objectification of a living process. Well, and living, you know, being. this
2: mm-hmm. dare is like, I I've been having this thought lately um, and I'm curious to hear what you think about it. And Lucas, I don't think I've talked with you about this either, but I, I've been having this thought that colonization starts with um, a solidification of the subject-object divide, right? That, so like dualism actually, and this is going to sound a little abstract, but I, I don't think that this is abstract at all. It just has to be abstracted somewhat linguistically, but like dualism is the original colonial project, right? When I make a, a split and and what was continuous differentiated, but continuous becomes divided, right? So that there is a subject, and everything else is an object, then fundamentally, the only result of the teleology of that is what we're living in, right? right. Because everything else becomes a an object that can be operated upon by the subject, right? Mm -hmm. So there is no the thou, it's all I it, even Mm -hmm. if it's ostensibly another person, Yes. Right. And I'm talking yeah. human persons in this reductive right. view. Right. But totally. even right. other right. human right. persons are objects. They're not persons. They're not right. subjects. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. And right. so then I, I think like in terms of Gebser's mutations and structures of consciousness that this is like this is. I don't know how historically this maps, but I think this is the moment of the deficient mental rational coming into the ascendant position is yes. where that bifurcation Right, that right. Whitehead would talk right. about the bifurcation in, of nature, right, where humans and nature became separate
0: mind and body. Mind and became body. Oh, okay. you know, it's just like there's this kind of like, object, weird right? Right? like, however you want to yeah.
2: frame yeah. it. But yeah. I, I th- you know, so I have this supposition that that's actually like, if we want to talk about the myth of the fall, totally. right, that's the fall, right? Dualism right. is the fall when we go <sighs> from right, living amongst subjects to living amongst objects.
0: Right. Yeah, totally. And I also wonder, like, on some really profound level, if our organism actually decided, oh, this 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 process, this neurological process will save us and save us money in the long term, like a kind of weird, like risk benefit bullshit assessment Mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, it's actually easier just to be like, that's not a person. Right. Like, it's actually less calorically intensive. Mm,
1: Right. That's where I thought you were going. That's where I'm going with (laughs) it.
0: Maybe. Maybe. But what what I'm saying is like, and I get this from a lot of people because I'm basically like trying to like teach people animism, but in a modern way, which is like, no, don't join a religion. Don't join a cult. No. Like, everything's sacred. You have to start acting like it. Right. Behaviors. We're doing behavioral therapy. Right. It's like talk Behavior to your plants. Yeah, like say hello to the sun and moon. Like mm-hmm. say thank you. Yeah, to the like say just be like oh thank you oh my god I have a house thank you house right like actually mm-hmm. be like mm-hmm, you're real <laughs> you're real you're real and you fucking save my ass you know <laughs> right but um but I think what I what I get from a lot of people is this defamiliarization process which is a defamiliarization of the dualistic process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm actually saying no you need to defamiliarize yourself with this habitual right. dualistic fantasy right Let's is actually this fantasy shit. it's fantasy it's yeah. fucking made up but the defamiliarization process because of homeostasis you're basically asking a person to relearn how to make decisions. And that is no small ask. No, Mm -hmm. it's not. You're basically saying, oh, you forgot again. And this is like what I'm doing all the time, which is like, oh, I did it again. Oh, the minute I walked through that restaurant door and I didn't see all the beings. Because it was Mm. a restaurant. And restaurants are, right, like, Mm-hmm. I have a conceptual framework that is subject object because that's how I was given it to me by the people mm-hmm. around me. Yeah. And I have to every day be like, that's not
3: mm-hmm.
0: the way I want to live and die. Right. right. That's not kindness or respect. Mm-hmm. I have to say that because nobody else is going to fucking smack me. Nobody else. I got no elders being like whack. Which I would right. love to have. You got some elders to come over and whack <laughs> me when I'm out of line. That would be rad, but I don't have them. Right. right. And many, I'm imagining many people listening don't have them either. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. so the point is, is like we have to summon them from the sort of ancestral dream mm-hmm. to be like, help me be the person who really lives in a right way, right? And, with the right relations. But when we're asking other people to do that, they first see how hard it is rather than the benefit. Right. And we, and this happens with everything like exercise, changing your nutrition. It happens with everything, right? It's like, oh, you have to put in some energy and you're not going to get it back for a while. Right. Mm. For a while, it will be more, energy. more
2: tiring, more yes. frustrating.
0: Being, yes. Mm-hmm. More disruptive. Yes. That's right. That's right. And I don't, I don't think the answer is selling people like more marketing. Like let's market animism like sexier. I don't, I think that's still a consumeristic like trap. Right. Right. But I do think that just like there is something very real about like really asking people to show up for being alive is hard mm-hmm. work. And that's not as accessible for everyone equally. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's a pretty but, succinct yeah. and profound statement. Just, just that, yeah. show up for being alive. Yeah. Do you know? It's like because you get hit with the with the idea that, wait a minute, am I have I not been showing up? Am I not really living? <laughs> yeah. Do you know?
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and, and then, you know the subtext is probably no.
0: <laughs>
1: you know? I mean, or at least you have Chinese. moments.
0: Well, both of you are Chinese medicine practitioners, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, but I really like it. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the, you know, most things about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I learned was that, like, we're all on a spectrum of human to ghost. Yeah. So I could be 51% ghost and 49% human. And that's, it's not a good, it's not, you know, it's like, well, what are you gonna do about that? It's not really like bad, good. It's more just like this thing of like, how ghostly am I today or right now? Again, it's a how question. It's like, Mm. how human am I being? And then I have to think about, well, what's human? And you have to really go through the damn, damnation of it all. Like, oh, to be human is to kind of like laugh and cry. And sometimes simultaneously. And, And to be human is also to be cooperative and generous. But that's fucking hard. (laughs) You know, like, you know, like to be Mm -hmm. human is to kind of grapple with these things that are not godly and they're not less than godly. They're Mm -hmm. human. Mm -hmm. They're the middle thing. They're like, oh, you're not a fucking god, but you're also not an ant. You're not and you're not like a drop of water. You actually have hands and you could change your environment. Right. So you have some responsibility. So it's not like you're like was the the. The Joe Yi right, is like
3: mm-hmm.
0: when you roll the Joe Yi. there's like these ones that are like the best outcome is when you don't have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like you're not important mm-hmm. enough to have it.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep.
0: Because they, they understood something about if you get too important, you're fucked.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But if you're really, really unimportant, you're also fucked. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're a foot yeah. soldier, if you're a foot soldier, ooh, that's rough. And if you're the king, kind of rough too. Like if you're the general, the king, you're like, oh, no. No space for choices
2: in either of those extremes, right?
0: Right. But somewhere in the middle, either you're a householder, a sage, a practitioner, doctor, somewhere in the middle where you're not too freaking important, but you're not not important. That's where like all the openings are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All the openings are there to be like, how can I breathe right now? I, okay, I'm gonna take. You know, like you can basically take a walk for no reason, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic gift that our hunter gatherer ancestors left us. And we're only gonna work. Oh, well, look, we figured it out. We have to only do labor three hours a day, and now we're just gonna do whatever we want,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which is a great gift to be like. Why are you? Why are we taking this walk? No reason. Because during the walk, the iracular openings can happen without prying them open Mm -hmm. no need to be like i need to fix this problem right now it's like why i just gravitate towards this tree and now i'm over here by this rock and suddenly i look at this bird and oh i took a bigger breath and it becomes a divinational oracular Mm -hmm. somatic process by which then now we have qigong because people were like Oh, I was spontaneously doing this movement.
3: Right. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. But I'm still saying, take it back, 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 back to the point where like, when you allow yourself this sort of Mm non-goal, but you're also not unstable. So this is the thing, right? You're stable and you just kind of wander Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can just wander for 10 minutes. It doesn't take that long to go into a trance in which like you can let go of a ghost that Mm. you're carrying for your ancestors. And I think that's the thing about ancestral healing that everyone gets wrong because they're all interested in having these psychedelic blessing experiences and having deep hallucinations. And I think that that's part of it. Great. Awesome. I want people to have it. I'm not saying no, but what I'm saying is, do you know how easy it is? to not be a ghost or to help your ancestors not be ghosts.
2: So Dare, will you, because I'm reasonably (laughs) certain there are gonna be folks listening that don't have a context that is going to be the same as yours, um, especially for what a ghost means. And I think it's a central part of what you're explaining and I think it's super important. Will you talk a little bit about that?
0: Sure, so my version of ghost is hybrid, version of ghost from many places. So I'm not going to pretend my version of ghost is the same as like a Gui from Chinese medicine or something like they're similar, but I'm going to sort of say that like a ghost is like an echo of a person which contains imprints or memories, which you could say are epigenetic that carry on longer than the body the fleshy body that experienced that. So we have a spirit and that spirit is vast and intangible. And some part of that spirit goes home because death is really nice like that. Eventually you get to go home, even if you get stuck in a hell realm, it's only for a short amount of time. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You still get to come home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a punishment. It's not a punishment to be a ghost. I think people don't understand that ghostliness is as natural as getting a cold. We all get colds. If you never get a cold, that'd be weird. If you get colds all the time, that's also weird. But if you get some colds and get better, that's called normal. Right? Right? So the other thing is that our ancestors understood that there's these ghosts that we would call like ancestral spirits that are not settled or not well or like haunting or they're not finished. They're, I, I like to think of it like unrequited love, mm-hmm. which can become really ghostly yeah. and demonic. We have many movies about unrequited love becoming really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm right? So we have this unrequited kind of hunger or desire. And all of our ancestors have this. We have this. It's normal. Again, normal, not to be solved, but to be related with. And it just so happens that these things accumulate, like these echoes or shards accumulate and follow lineages down the line. Mm -hmm. They just like, you know, it's like a relay race. It's like, And grandpa handed this down and grandma handed this down. And now 4,000 generations later, I don't have enough room for all this shit in my garage. Right. But at the beginning, it wasn't so much. It was like a few tokens. Right. But now it's like, there's a lot of hand-me-downs. Can I offload? So I can't off. Oh, shit. So we're at this, I think, saturation point where like, we've actually started as a culture becoming hyper aware of how saturated we are because for a few generations before, and we can look at history. We have television films of this. People were dissociated as fuck. You see pictures of like old white racists who were our grant, who are grandfather age now, or like a little bit more great grandfather. Those people are not in a control of themselves. Right. Mm. They were fucking possessed. There are like they, like by any me by any way you flip it, those people were not having a calm, rational choice making process in their body.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So one, we have to say it's normal, and we have documentation. It's not a metaphor that I'm making up. I'm saying no, no, no. See this thing that you call something else, that's actually ghostly, and it travels because it's unrequited. Because let's put it this way. Nobody, no baby human, no baby human decides. Oh, I'm just going to grow up and be a crazy psychopathic murderer. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one like chooses that like consciously, hmm. but through a series of events and and wounds and shocks to the system, certain tendencies emerge, and then, if they are acted upon, create this kind of echo because consequences accumulate. I have consequences that I have to remediate every day, which is why I'm doing this kind of shit. The only reason that I'm being brave enough to be a person like this is not because I want fame. It's because I stared real hard at the face of my ancestors and the spirits and said, all right, tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'm stop resisting now. Oh, you want me to tell people about this? Oh, okay. I guess I'll figure out how to do that. And that was literally what it was. It was like me crying and being like, I hear you. And I can no longer pretend that I'm hallucinating what I heard. You say, tell people about us. I'm going to. Okay, what does that mean? Like I had to go figure out what that means. So we're all doing it. Ghosts are normal. And then our ancestors also knew that there were spirits that weren't ghosts, but that spirits could still haunt you. So like nature spirits, like you go to some place in the woods and you think it's great. But when you come back out, you start having really bad luck and you don't know why. You know, it's like some nature spirit like started to like play with you and Mm -hmm. it plays in a way that's not human. And our ancestors knew that you need to fucking not do that or go cleanse yourself or like, oh, you didn't carry that rock, that blessed rock with you when you went into the forest. You dumbass. Get over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a, like it's hygiene, basically. It's not like, oh, mystical. It's like, no, you hygiene. Like it's hygiene. So there's these two kinds of things that we would consider malevolent, but malevolent also dissociates them from the relationship. Because mm-hmm. if I call my ancestors evil, I have no real reason to love them. I can just keep dissociating from them forever. Right. Mm -hmm. but a real remediation process is not forgiveness, but it's something like a mixture of grace and responsibility mixed with learning, which is to say, I carry the same seed that you did and you made those choices with this seed. And some of those choices are not good. They have their hurt people. And you are now trapped in a fucking hell realm, but you're also in my body because I'm carrying you because you're my ancestor. Mm -hmm. So it's a both-and. And then you have to really reckon with what I'm saying. You have to really reckon with, you didn't ask for this, but the right thing to do is be responsible for it because you're carrying it around. Mm -hmm. It's like you have shit on your shoe and you're walking in my house. What are you doing? (laughs) Oh, but I didn't know I stepped in shit. It doesn't matter. It's not the point. It's like part (laughs) of the deal... Part of the deal is you take care of what you're carrying. Right. Right. So to me, a ghost is an echo of our ancestors, but they are not the same as our ancestors. So we have to be very clear that we're not doing that subject object bullshit to our ancestors by calling them ghosts, Mm -hmm. which is what I see a lot of white people doing Mm. not just white people, but I see a lot of people like kind of, it's like, Oh, these evil ghosts. It's like, No, that's not quite the story because we know that hurt people hurt people. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to go, who was that ghost before it became a ghost? That's part of the healing is to go, oh, right. Okay, There's a. this is just an aspect of my ancestors that I have to be responsible for and remediate well, partially by not enacting what they enacted. Mm -hmm. Like that's part of it. Part of it is to just be like, that was fucked up and I need to make sure I'm never going to do anything like that. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is to deal with the consequences that are unconscious in your system. And that could be anything like having a short temper, like or like fetishizing uh, overeating, because some of your ancestors were so hungry that they went to they, they killed other people for their food. And you're carrying that around now. And it manifests as a kind of like weird eating disorder or something. But I'm also saying very normal, like it doesn't have to be super dramatic, but it usually has some piece of disgust that we have not integrated because we're like ashamed of what they did. And we're also ashamed of what we do. Mm -hmm. And so we have to start getting to the point where we can just look at the shame as a spirit and say, hey, shame, what are you trying to teach me? So again, all these emotions, disgust, shame, anger, hatred, lust, all these things that we're talking about, I'm also saying you have to flip the subject object script on them Mm -hmm. and go, oh, the spirit of lust is in in my body or the spirit of lust just walked into the room and I can feel things happening in my body and I really want to be possessed by it, Mm. but I'm going to actually say this is not an appropriate time to be possessed by. So the ability to have this level of coherency Mm -hmm. where you kind of know that you're just like a vessel for spirits and it's normal, but you start to gain an ability to kind of choose what possesses you and what doesn't, and actually know something about appropriateness, which is context, which is, I don't think that's good right now because these other people, I care about them right now. This is not the place. I will go and find a ritual place Later, that is appropriate for you, right? Mm -hmm. And because we've lost that kind of linguistic context in this culture, it makes it very hard to do something which I have found to become actually simpler and simpler. Mm -hmm. Because you've seen, I'm just talking about it with you, like it's no Mm -hmm. big fucking deal. Totally. Right, but right. most people couldn't fucking do what I'm talking about because right. they're having right. very intense experiences of right. the ghost, right? Well, that...
2: Uh, <laughs> intense and <laughs> undifferentiated, right? They're not aware yes, that those experiences yes. are ghostly.
0: Right. Intense sorry, because they're they're identifying with them. They think right. that they are their emotions. Or exactly. They, like there's a kind of fusion. Or this is like, my oh, trauma. Yeah,
2: this is my history my dad right. you know my mom my sister right uncle charlie right. whatever it is yeah
0: yeah yeah. yeah.
1: well and, and in in some ways you almost have to i get uh, some people's first step may be disassociating with that in the sense that you're not that yes right yes
0: right. And that, why, yes it's a so really now hard thing for it, people to do and now you're getting it though that like the double-edged sword is the thing that could help you but too much and you're out right
1: right because
0: too much dissociation and you're just like not having any choice. Then you're but not enough dissociation to and you can't <laughs> right. differentiate. Right, right. Because you need a little bit of dissociation to be like, ah, uh, you know, like you need a little bit to go, hmm, right. oh, something's going
1: on here, you know. Well, <laughs> that and like, ouch, that's hot.
0: <laughs> yes. Right. All of that. All you of know. that. Like you need a little bit so that you can have sensation and subtlety in that sensation and actually go, it's like being, it's like, again, like another somatic thing is like, okay, you want to practice this? Go somewhere that you don't know very well, but feels relatively safe, like a park. Just go to a park in the middle of the day. So make it really safe. Go to a park in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Now put a blindfold on and take a walk. Mm. What, what, what's the problem? There's actually no problem. But if, we, if you play that game, you will encounter the directness of your fear of like, uh, how do I wait? What? How do I move? Oh, I used my eyes a lot for balance. Oh my, whoa. ah, Mm -hmm. You'll actually encounter the real ground of your nervous system, which is also where all these ghosts are sort of living. It's a place, you know, it's like the ecosystem of yourself. You actually Mm -hmm. encounter the ecosystem of your actual self, which is, oh, In order to sense and not hurt myself, I need to slow way down and I need to actually figure out, is it like, how do I step? Because if you just step willy nilly, you're going to break your ankle or something, right? Right.
2: I'm curious um, your thoughts on this. So in some traditions, mediumistically speaking, there would be like a distinction made between, say, a possession state uh intentional incorporation where the medium is conscious totally. versus yeah, totally. unconscious incorporation versus right. irradiation
0: yeah versus
2: yeah so the those yeah. distinctions i know we didn't i'm getting a little technical but i'm just curious like
0: no there's yeah. like a string of pearls
2: totally okay
0: there's like a string of pearls and each pearl is like a different yeah. tint or yeah. hue or intensity of color you know yeah. like and that's the amazingness of like our ability is like, it's not a, it's not either or, right. but to even just introduce it, it's like, yes, possession is real. And now we can subdivide it into 72 flavors. Sure. Right. It's a bit like that. Yeah, Totally. Because fair. Just curious. We like, we like possession when rock stars do it on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they're like inspired right. and like channeling yeah. and like beaming the beams, Feels we're good. like, fucking great that's
2: so cool well and And we feel it this loops us back to where we started with your relationship and experience with poetry and i didn't bring this up then but what i was thinking when you were talking about it i was like right because
3: Uh,
2: from my point of view the best poets even if they have to craft their poetry i'm you know like i'm not talking about how it looks but like the best poets are in a mediumistic process where there is some relationship whether it's to natural phenomenon that are witnessable by everybody in the world or whether it's phenomenon that maybe can't be seen by all of us, right, that there's some way that something is shining through that person, right, right? that then is expressed. And if we're sensitive enough, or maybe even if we're not, when we pick up that page or hear that poem, like, yes, exactly, that happens in us because we're all on that level, we're all the same, right?
0: Yeah. Because on a quantum level, it's like
2: still happening. The network is the network. Exactly. Right.
0: Right. But there isn't a bit like the the fact that we get to differentiate and individuate is is a great gift because now we can have like different experiences. Like that's nice. Diversity is a great, you know, thing, you know?
1: Yeah. I can see um, someone seeing a tele evangelist who is actually sort of possessed? You know, they interpret that energy the same way that they interpret someone who's just channeling. You know,
2: well, you, but I think you could say they're both just channeling. It's the question is what right. are they channeling? What are they channeling? And, right. and right. do I want to be in the presence right. of what they're channeling?
0: Right. Yes, and it's a, who. Yeah. it's a who. That's the other thing totally. we have to remember. That like, I
2: appreciate the correction on that.
0: Humans are humans are interbeing they are relational by default right Mm -hmm. so even when you think you're not being relational guess what you are Mm -hmm. so all the things that we think are not thing or all the things that we think are things are actually beings Mm
3: -hmm. so -hmm. when i
0: have thoughts and i think i'm thinking thoughts i have to go oh you're like fireflies you're like beings that give me some associative you know like you 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 inspire me you're giving me some inspiration like your neural you're weaving in my neural networks you're emerging and you're descending you're you're being born and you're dying like Mm -hmm. the neurons are firing and they're dying and you have to be like that's like fireflies blinking in the night the fireflies are real beings they're real they're not like made up but they do this thing where they ooh, Mm -hmm. ah you know and the fairies are like that too. And all the things that we used to talk about, but have different words for it, it's like, what is the, what is the quality that most of our ancestors had for most of our entire millions of years of ancestry? Cause you know, we're very, what we're doing now is like very weird. Most people were essentially in a constant state of communion with other spirits, like just walking around. They're walking around and they're getting downloads from eagles and mountains and rivers Mm -hmm. and like the shiny sparkle on the, the, you know, when the light hits the river, just like that. And you suddenly go into trance and Mm -hmm. get a message like that was basically the that was like everybody was having that kind of experience. Mm -hmm. Everybody like children were definitely having it like all the time. And then, if you got to keep that as you, you know, you practice that as you got older, you might be known as something. But then you would be like, okay, that's, you know, that's just your thing. But you also didn't have to be special. It's like, you know, the basket weaver also has these invisible friends that they talk to.
2: Animism is normative consciousness.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be this like. It doesn't have to be this like. Oh, they touched me and my wound healed. It's like, yeah, some people were like that. Sure, that's totally on the table. But we're talking about a spectrum from hyper ordinary to hyper non ordinary, and then somewhere in the middle is most people. But but even then, I think that a normal animus consciousness is what is what modern humans think is psychedelic. Mm -hmm. Mm. And this is the real difference. It's like we're chasing peak states and it's not we're we're in the wrong context because like normal animus people, they're like they their baseline state is like a stabilized psychedelia. But it's like very it's like no, no, the tree is alive, and I give like when I went to Indonesia, it's like everyone there is giving offerings all fucking day long. It's part of the culture, like they're normal consciousness totally integrated with capitalism and everything is kind of psychedelic like they have shrines and they give food to beings i'm like you know i really just learned a lot by like they're not making a big deal out of it but i know they're doing rituals sometimes that are much more intense but in their everyday, it's just like you know like i there was like a funeral in the street where they burned a pyre and it's like oh these people get it like they 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 can see these Mm -hmm. things. Like it's no, and then they go eat lunch, you know, like they go eat lunch. It's like so boring. It's like, whatever, you know, like spirits and offerings and I see it and I feel it. And okay. I'm going to eat lunch now. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, it's like, we're talking about this in this really strange American kind of um, Euro Western, like well, we're not religious or we don't have a philosophy kind of thing. Right. It's like, yeah. Okay. Sure. But we have to get to a point where this normal stability of everything's alive, it's all relational. Let's start being, at, le- at the very least, let's just start acknowledging and not in a kind of morose and thom- like, not in a kind of like nihilistic, like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm doing this land acknowledgement now, and my ancestors were so horrible, and I'm gonna, you know, like this mm-hmm. kind of weird thing that people do. But we have to get to a place where it's like, no, I'm, I'm serious about this, but I'm not so serious that I'm like kind of in this weird extreme place that's like not really helpful for anyone, right?
2: Well, I think the other um, thing about a, a fully animate, you know, a fully living cosmos is that it it's in a state of play. I mean, the play yes. can be brutal. It's not, I'm not saying it's all happy-go-lucky, right? Play is not all... Fun in games, ironically, no. but it is in a state right. of play, so we can't be too we can't have a stick too far up our ass about it, right? Because we have to be no. adaptive, and right. you know the right. stability you fluidity have to, like, kind of dynamic we've been talking about, right. inhaling and exhaling, and so how am I moving and breathing and relating within this, right? Again, howing as you were saying, yes. how is it becoming? yeah How
0: am I howing? Like how? Like how am I? Oh, oh, you're dancing like this. Okay, so I got to do. You know, it's like oh, I. I can only dance real slow today, right. you know, and that's mm. fine. But, you know, cause it's not ableist again. It's not like we're asking everyone to do backflips, right. like animist backflips and everyone needs to become a, you know, like Alistair Crowley or something like, no, this is not, that's like too, that's also part of the problem is like, like we just need to get to this place where if we're playful and there's a spectrum, like my plays at one, my plays at two, my plays at 10, you know, like we're like dialing it, you know, dimmer switch. Then we can really feel how, like, when we feel threatened, we start to dominate rather than play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that domination happens internally first, totally. As a as a subject yeah, object, totally. That's the domi- That's the right. trick. You're like, oh, I did it again. I got tired, or mm-hmm. it's like it's like one of the things that hurt the fear, pain, and hunger. Yep. My fear, pain, and hunger went up to a certain level. And at that moment, my dominance instincts kick in mm-hmm. and I start to objectify right.
3: mm-hmm. so
0: that I can control mm-hmm. my environment. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I don't think this is necessarily a problem unless you make that a personality right. mm-hmm. or a culture, which is yeah. also a problem, right? It's like, make it a culture. Now you're real fruit, right. which is a dominance culture versus a play-based culture.
2: It, yeah. It's like you... It can be part of the crew, but it should definitely not be the one at the helm, no matter what, no. right? I mean, maybe in no, a very never, special never. kind of circumstance, like, okay, yes, yeah. we really are in peril. You can have the wheel, but like other than that, no, yeah. like, let's, mm-hmm. let's, you know, you're welcome here. Great feedback. But every time we let you take the wheel, like you start trying to run people off the road and shit, man.
0: Like, it's not cool. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not cool. Right. And this is actually the kind of dialogue that people need to have. Literally, with uh, voices in their head,
3: mm-hmm. mm.
0: like a spiritual, like an animist counseling. Like that's that's sort of what I thought I was doing. Like I named it animist counseling, and it is. But the counseling part has too many colonial ghosts, so I changed that. Yeah, But, right. but the point of animist counseling, if we sort of just take it as like a little uh, experiment, is that anything that pops up in your phenomenological experience, anything, a sensation an emotion, a thought, an image, a memory, anything that, like, you're experiencing that I'm not, right? Like, anything that you're like, oh, there's a, there's a thought, oh, now I'm having anxiety or whatever. Any, any phenomenon can then immediately be talked to as a separate being than you. And that separation is really key. It's not, it's not separation as like a as like a bad thing it's actually distance as in like hey who are you why did you show up this is the first step and it's very basic you see animals this is what animals do you go near a cat too close it's like hey who are you
3: Mm -hmm.
0: you approach too quickly man i need to know and we now it's the wrong way i'm not interested right now Mm -hmm. we have to learn how to do that internally and for for a while If you're just starting this practice for a while, you're going to be a bit like, oh, shit, I need to take some time off. And that's okay. Like, it's a good time to take time off. The winter is coming. You just take some freaking time off and like notice. And when things happen, like, oh, who are you? Oh, my mother. Where'd you? Oh, my goodness. Like what? You start to see that you inherited or you've become an easy prey for certain patterns, certain spirits, basically, mm-hmm. certain spirits coming at you, saying, eh, "You know, like, well, no, this is the way it is." Eh, you know, it's like little sock puppets, you know, coming mm-hmm. at you, and you just start to detangle that. By and it's so simple. It's like, again, I use these woods analogies because it's so freaking basic. What would you do if you you're going to walk into the woods? Oh. First, you're going to check if you have the right shoes and the right coat. Then you're going to really see the weather. Okay, is the sun going to go down? I don't know if I want to go in the woods when the sun's going down. Like you check your context. You go, okay, Mm -hmm. am I prepared for this encountering of like, I don't know who or what is in that forest, so I'm going to be careful. Mm -hmm. So you slow down, you check. And then each step you take ultimately should be another round of that checking of like, I don't want to step on a snake because that's mean. And also I would probably get bit and I don't want to do that. So you're having this kind of reflexive kindness of like, I don't want to hurt others and I don't want to be hurt by them because they were scared of me. So I have to, Oh, what is the, what is the somatic and mind body a, like state that I have to be in to even take one step into that unknown place. And to me, that is actually what is happening inside. And we've just dissociated from that because any, at any moment I can take one step deeper into my forest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and go and go, Oh, Hey. And I start to see images and I start to feel feelings and I start to hear voices, but I can do that because I'm not immediately like fusing with anything. I'm just going, yeah, okay, so who's here? Let me just play a little bit, you know, and you just have a little moment where, and then you maybe take out a journal and you, you know, maybe you write it down and you go, oh, I need to check in on that later in the bath when I feel better or oh, I, you know, I think I need to eat actually, you know, like you do this process that just is kind of normal but you do it with every phenomena that comes up for you as much as you can without burning yourself out, you know? Mm. And so this was like the core of like animus counseling, because I didn't find any Western methodology that, that really um, was respectful Mm. to the actual world. Mm -hmm. Even polyvagal theory is super useful and I love it. And secure attachment theory and all that, all that stuff is very useful, but it, missed the animacy that I actually experienced Mm. directly. And I had to, I had to learn how to transfer that. I had to learn how to be like, wait a second. If I really practiced what these indigenous people seem to be telling me from books and like, if I really practiced it, what would that freaking mean? And what it really meant was, to go to turn the eyes just a little bit around and go, who's here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the minute I said that with actual sincerity, it was like my whole life started on this different path because I stopped denying who was in, there, like who was here. Right. And for many people, it's going to feel like, um, You're going to butt up against the ghost of uh, insane asylum, like Western colonial insane asylum Mm -hmm. culture. And that's the sad part, because what I'm essentially saying is that there is a functional DID, like dissociative Mm. identity disorder. Mm. I'm saying there's a functional version of that that is just animism. Mm. That's it. It's uh, It's not like some crazy, it's like, no, no, no. It's just everything's a who and some who's are dangerous, but not because they mean you harm, but because like a tiger is dangerous.
2: Right. But I mean, you could make the case that like, so given what we now know about the human organism, right? And how little of it is human, let's say, right? (laughs) And and I'm talking, you know, stuff that we can see in a microscope for a second, and we're just going to talk in a totally, I am not a materialist, but we're going to be materialists for a second just Let's the world that we can Let's do it <laughs> put our hands on or see or have some small object touch
3: yes. yes
2: is riotously like alive with a variety of different kinds of beings and we're still discovering more mm-hmm. yes. so yes. all of those right if all of, if we decide that all of those are whose, then yes essentially one way to frame what you're explaining right now is like so we we just did take that to a subtler level right we go from the yin into the yang where it's like not only are all those things that you could see or see with a microscope or touch with some your hand or an object you know not only are those all who's but all of the things that you couldn't grasp right are also that's right persons
0: that's right yes right
2: which is still a leap for a lot of folks but i think we're getting to the point on the sort of like microbiome you know mycelial network rhizomatic kind of conversation that's spread outside of even just kind of the geeky circles that folks like us inhabit Mm -hmm. into a broader conversation right like i i wonder if we're not on some kind of tipping point because if people can start to like really take that in it's not really that far to go to then acknowledge Mm -hmm. what you're explaining so clearly
0: right it's not far, but like the initiation we talked about before, totally. no one can do it exactly, for you. right? And that's the terrifying part because what we're essentially saying is, you're so close. Yeah. All you have to we're do saying, is the work and play.
3: Yeah. Right? <laughs>
0: totally. It's like it's like yeah, and, and you know it is it is like improv comedy or something where it's like, look, how to break people from stage fright. This is how you break them from stage fright you take a titrated version of what you're doing. You take a smaller chunk, which is to say, great. So here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go out on stage and you're gonna stand there for two minutes. And your job is to not do anything remotely funny. And then at the end of those two minutes, you're gonna leave the stage. inevitably something funny will happen. And it didn't happen because you consciously directed it. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: It happened because you actually had the conditions for normal, spontaneous emergence to occur, which was like, okay, told me to go out here and not be funny. Okay. Two minutes. And somewhere in that there's a whole world that starts to happen where it's like, Whatever you are afraid of starts to become exciting. So you go from fear to excitement in a little dose. And then two minutes is up and you're done. And you know, the, the, the glory of this is that you just crossed the threshold and returned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you're safe again. You're not on stage anymore. Be normal. Until... You do that again and again and again and again and again. And then you start to be able to be normal all the time. Mm. And your normal is a kind of hybrid liminality of like, am I on stage? Am I not on stage? Am I on stage? Am I not on stage? (laughs) And in that moment, you can go, oh, everything's a threshold. Everything's a choice. If I'm not actually forced to do anything I don't really want to do. Not really. It's like, here I am two minutes. Oh, you don't like it. Well, two minutes is up real quick. Going to go back. Oh, that was an exercise. Right. That was a Zen teaching right there. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So you see how it's just like normal to go into a ritual space and then leave it and go into a ritual space and then leave it and go into a ritual space and leave it. And you do it playfully so that when it's real, like death, sickness, birth, Uh, natural disaster, then that shock isn't so shocking and you can actually do all the things we're talking about because you actually go, oh my God, I'm so full of chi. Mm. I'm so full of chi now. What do I do? Oh, it's not fear anymore. It's excitement, right? Right? It's a little bit different. You actually can feel that differentiation in your Mm. system. But you do have to practice just like anything. Like everything can be broken down into something that's actually doable. You know, like actually like no, like regular people can do this.
1: Yeah, yeah it's like talk was saying this one, this other guy we interviewed. Yeah. He, yeah. um, he was sorry, it's really noisy today. I don't know why. <laughs> he was saying, um, he actually helps like train his students to just not emote or sort of just relax their face so yeah, that neutral, they can, like,
0: neutral mask. Yeah,
1: yeah, and just <laughs> yeah, sort of, yeah. but it uh, allows you to sort of, you know, receive and um, respond, uh, not necessarily neutrally, but you're not using a filter or you're not, mm-hmm. and you're not engaging that automatic response that you feel is socially, uh, social obligations to re- yeah. requite, you know? So, yes. which I find incredibly liberating as, a, as an exercise, because I, totally. I emote, all the time in my face. I'm like one of those (laughs) over-exaggerators, you know, like, oh my gosh, what happened to you? (gasps) Oh, you know, which is great in the clinic. (laughs) 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 But like, if you actually practice that, it, it all, first of all, it liberates you, but then it also kind of unmoors the, 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 the conversation, the interplay that's happening between you and whoever you're speaking with right because you're not they're not getting the ball back as you as you talk you serve it to them and it's like wait yeah. okay all right I mean New York's a little bit different because it's there's so many different cultural backgrounds that like you don't know where anybody's coming from but right. <laughs> but still it's it's an interesting game to play um that you know not everybody has a stage but you know you have a, a community
0: well I mean that's the that's the thing is like stage in this case is literally like whatever the fuck you need it to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not actually really talking about stand-up comedy, but I am. Right. right. I'm not really talking about theater, but I am. I'm just talking about like social like social interaction mm-hmm. is like this hologram of like all these different metaphors that we can enact mm-hmm. with each other and then you just play your options. Yeah. Mhm. Like, okay, I'm going to play this option super neutral. Now the next time I'm going to super exaggerate. You know, like you do that enough times, you oscillate between these extremes in a safe mm-hmm. and like kind of meaningless way. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you're, like safe and meaningless. or so are like arbitrary decisions. Right. Okay, this time I'm going to be neutral. Okay, next time I'm going to be exaggerated. Okay, next time I'm going to be big. Next time I'm going to be small. Right. Next time I'm going to be near. Next time I'm going to be far. Like you just pick these big opposites that don't mean anything,
3: mm-hmm.
0: really. And you just play them to the hilt. like, And the hilt might be really like a sloth. like, Like not giving anyone anything. And you do that long enough and that becomes like a running gag and like every, all the audience loves it <laughs> right. if you're in that situation, right. right? But when you're in a clinic or when you're with your family, you really have to notice real social threat,
3: mm-hmm.
0: real threat of exile and real threat of violence. Mm-hmm. And this is actually why we are so tied up in this culture is that we live in a culture of threat and not a culture of play.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: And because of that, we become hyper-vigilant and also hyper-appeasing to each other in very strange ways. And everyone's got their own strategy for appeasement, right? Everybody has different strategies to survive the societal threat matrix that we're all in. So part of what I think this particular localness of like, how do we have a postmodern animism that is sort of coming out of this really intense social threat, capitalism, misogyny, racism, holy crap, colonial European expansionism, you know, how do we have an animism that really functions to bring people into generosity and kindness is also really teaching people how to detect that social threat in themselves and others mm-hmm. and de-escalate mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So we're also like, that's a whole nother conversation, harm reduction, mutual aid and Mm de-escalation. And that first starts with you. How do you de-escalate yourself when you feel threatened by your own family?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Nothing of what I'm saying is separate from what I've said before. There's still spirits involved in all of that. So it's like whatever lens is most useful, use it. But what I'm really saying is you have a lot more tools than anyone ever told you about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of those tools are so basic that once you change, once you just say yes to one of them, because it's so base, suddenly like boom, right? Like, so for me, it's the animism thing. It's like, if someone asked me, if you only choose one identity, what is it? Like you just get one. (laughs) <laughs> like that's the game you just get one and for me it's like oh no animism 100 percent, because that's the thing that gives me every option
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's like the wish for a million wishes right. i wish you get one wish i wish for infinite wishes <laughs> so for me it's like oh no animism all the way because i can relate my way through any experience even death mm-hmm. there's right it's like boom straight to the heart of it just like no fucking around and to me, that's why, like, I do all these practices. I call them different names. I'm a poet. But I would say, like, everything I'm talking about here is essentially practicing for death. Mm-hmm. It's a death practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the only person. I'm not the first person who's understood this to be like the human game is like a kind of strange death practice.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you're here to do something, but also you're going to die. And, like, you're you are have a time, maybe a little, maybe more to prepare for this initiation right. called death it's the
2: die before you die oh, right i mean like the classic mystical you know aphorism
0: classic mm-hmm. it's it's like cross it's like the human commonality mm-hmm. right so for me i want to get people back to this thing where it's like every single freaking culture like everybody comes from the same people like there's not you keep going back mm-hmm. you just get a base you get a base that didn't dip, was undifferentiated, and then from that, all the things happened. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So if we can get back there, we can kind of go, yeah, yeah, I love it. Celtic culture, Egyptian culture, like Tibetan culture, like oh my god, so beautiful. But you're not grasping for them anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You're not like I need this Egyptian culture religion. I need this one. No, I need. You're not like so freaking starving because you actually went to something that was like where the mother of all of those, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: right? And to me, that's also death. It's like death is the only thing we can count on. Therefore, this is Mm -hmm. it. That means we need to lean into the love Of that complete 100% unconditional guarantee. Because that's the only one we're going to get. And that to me is actually what love really is. Is like, I will die. And it's a guarantee. Holy shit. 100% certainty on one thing in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. The feeling I feel when I say that is like, I can rest in that. Mm -hmm. But. I had to get there. I had to go through all my own ghosts and all my own fears and keep coming back to the only damn thing that was certain, which is death. And from that, I get to go all the way back to the ancestry. I get to have all these experiences, but it's rooted in something that's like completely stable. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Because I'm not that stable. I'm not that patient. We need to be connected to larger beings, to feel those things. There's a reason why mountains and trees and forests and oceans were the original gods because they're freaking stable more than we are. And we lean on them and feel that stability. Mm-hmm. And so I just went even farther and was like, okay, so what's like, when I was doing all my journeys and talking to all my ancestors, I just kept being like, okay, so who told you this? Who, who taught you? And I was very I was very much a stubborn asshole in these visions. But I was like, no, hello, who taught you? Show me, I'm ready. I don't care if it hurts. Show me more, show me more, show me more. And they did. And it was shocking and it took many years to integrate, but that's, I don't think I'm special. I just really like knocked on the door like, hey, grandma, I've come a long way and- the map was all broken. It sucks, but but like, hey, I know you're back there. You see, like, I know you're back there. Farther than that. Farther than that. I know. I know. I know. I know. Because obviously. Right. It's not even look what I'm saying isn't even mystical. Right. It's not mystical. You're like, yeah, you came from people. Look on Wikipedia. You can see them. But people don't seem to like want to take the leap that I am talking about. Mm. The leap of like, oh, no, that black skinned Neanderthal looking person recreation thing. That was your grandma. And the implications of that is all the insecurity, all the psychological everything that you can talk about. That's right there. Just the ground. No, no wiggling just right there. Like, oh my God, nobody abandoned me, but we forgot.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And in that moment, it's like responsibility kicks in, grace, reception, love. And then you actually become sober and you're like, shit, I've been acting an asshole because I've been so lonely. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But each person has to really get there is, is kind of, everybody's got to get there.
2: Yeah. So, Dare, it's, we're about two hours into this amazing conversation and I can see that Lucas is tired because it's late on yeah, our yeah, yeah, we gotta end it. So I'm curious yeah, if before we part, uh, there are any like things you're working on that you want to tell folks about? We'll of course put ways to, support you and read about your work in the show notes so you don't have to mention those if you don't want to but um whatever you Um, would want to say in closing for anybody who's been with us through this conversation
0: sure so thank you for entertaining my bullshit because um, it's wonderful because i'm not pretending to actually tell you the whole truth i'm just like this is my experience Mm -hmm. and like take it or leave it i don't care but um if it helps you And it helps your kids. I think that's great. I actually am like, we need to help the kids. We need the kids to grow up and not have to go through all the shit that many of us had to go through to even find a little bit of sanity. Like, it's not really nice, but yeah, it happens. So um, I have a project with my partner, Larissa Call, that we call Animist Arts, and it's on Patreon. And um, that's patreon.com slash animistarts. My personal website is bodyalter.org that's alter with an ar not an er um and uh you can go there and see lots lots of free stuff more free stuff than you can deal with and um the things that we've got coming up are in october we're going to do a one day four hour workshop called clown your ghosts which is a kind of intermediate to advanced version of like the actually like playing with the ghosts you don't like and the mm-hmm. mocking and has a lot of stuff from clown and theater mixed with the animism and all of the like spiritual protection and all that stuff. So mm. that's coming up and that's uh right on the front page of my website, bodyalter.org. And then in November, we're going to do a six week basics called between sun and moon. And this is literally like l- ground floor, like getting in on the ground floor because a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is still pretty advanced. Um, and people have been asking for like a beginner thing. And it's like, okay, we came up with this thing that we um, feel good about. And we're going to be doing it every few months for like six weeks. So it's more like a martial arts class in which you're like seasonal Qigong. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's the beginner for this now. Right. And then there's another now. And we're doing sort of the same thing, but not really. And we're going to do that for a little while Um Because there is something about the actual like meeting people and seeing how the work itself evolves as a spirit. Mm. So also, like, I'm not pretend like it's not pretending that the work is. uh, Fixed. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: We're actually just like channeling and we're trying to really work with the ancestors in a particular way to give this kind of like postmodern animism, which is still based in all sorts of old practices you know, like Qigong and, you know, all the good stuff that everyone knows is is there, but trying to do it in a way where it's really immediate. The things that I'm talking about could actually be felt, even if that's just a drop. Right. Like, oh, my God, what? You know, so these are the beginner stuff. And then in next year, we'll have more stuff. But um, that's kind of what we're doing right now. And um, we're in a constant state of evolution. And I'm I'm also like writing an anthology that's um, focused mostly around death practice only so death practice the anthology literally mm-hmm. um so i'm sort of working on that because i want that sort of like my heart's kind of like gift of like all the other stuff is to support people really meeting death in a way that isn't antagonistic so can we do that i don't know but <laughs> let me try to let me try to give my shot. help yeah. into that. let me yeah let, let me try to help yeah. that project you know So those are some of the things, and um, I hope that people come have conversations. I hope that you, you and I have more conversations because I I think that these introductions are great. But there's more,
2: absolutely. Just like you know, being Chinese
0: medicine, you know, there's more. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you all so much for for having me, and thank you for everyone for listening. Like it's been it's been great. I'm really happy to be part of the crowd of people you've already interviewed, many of whom I deeply respect. So it's like, I feel real good about that.
2: That's wonderful to hear. It's yeah, it's a total pleasure to get to know you and talk with you. And as I was saying in the beginning, like I really have found your work super beautiful and powerful and really resonant and it's helped me start to heal a little bit of a, a rupture that happened when I had to leave my own spiritual tradition in which, you know, there was, that was, mediumship was really alive and there was a very animistic um, set of dynamics at play. And when I had to walk away from that for reasons that we can talk (laughs) about at some point, I didn't intend to, but I kind of turned my back on all of that. Like I wasn't conscious. I just was like, "Yeah," and I sort of focused entirely on this kind of non-dual orientation that was really deanimating. and then i started to mm-hmm. feel this sorrow and right around the time i was feeling that sorrow and i started to like reconnect i encountered your work so it was it was really a perfect moment right. to help kind of midwife my reconnection to something that's totally. like a big part of my own spiritual practice and lineage yeah. so thank you for totally. that that's totally it's been awesome and amazing i mean
0: that's that's so great to hear because really it's like i want both right. It's like non-dual animism. Yeah, no,
2: I'm with you. I'm with <laughs> right. you. But, you know, I did, the, I did the, like, move from one extreme to the other, yeah. right, kind of thing, right, like, you know? Yes, yeah. you have to change your clothes exactly. a few times. So. <laughs>
0: okay. Thank you
2: for all that. We'll talk again.
0: Yes, All please. right, blessings. blessings. All Thanks right. so much.
1: Take care, Derek. Bye.